Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. My family is blessed to live right in the middle of Oklahoma, surrounded by a lot of other families. So that basically means my two young children have lots of good friends, dozens and dozens of friends to play with and to receive hand-me-down clothes and toys. Now, we have so many toys at home, and we've hardly bought any of them. And it's all just because of toys being passed along from children who are just a little bit older than my five-year-old daughter and my two-year-old son. Yet, despite this abundance of toys in the house, it seems like Loma and Rush always gravitate toward the same one. It doesn't matter what it is, how insignificant or small the toy is. If Loma grabs it first, Rush wants that specific toy. If Rush grabs another thing first, all of a sudden, that's the one that Loma wants. Now, this is something that I constantly have to be mindful of. I have to watch out for this. And I have to teach my children how to have peace with each other, how to share, how to play well together and play well separately, and not to covet. This is one of the Ten Commandments. It does forbid coveting. Notice here Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is your neighbor's. In other words, we are surrounded by people and items that we could potentially covet. Just like a little child covets the toy of another child. This is an extremely common sin. It's a sin that saturates the society we live in. It is often called keeping up with the Joneses. If a neighbor or someone on TV has lavish wealth and possessions, it's pretty easy, pretty natural to lust for those same benefits. Yet God commands against it. This is an extremely materialistic, physically obsessed world. Think about the fact that even here in the United States of America, the average American household carries over $10,000 in credit card debt. That's just debt on usually everyday purchases and splurging and luxuries. 
It doesn't even include a mortgage payment or anything big or important like that. But it's just because we tend to live beyond our means. Notice here this quote from chapter 10 of the Ten Commandments booklet. You can get it for free at thetrumpet.com. Chapter 10 is titled, You Shall Not Covet. And Mr. Dennis Leap writes, What is the cause? Why does one of the wealthiest nations ever to exist in the history of man have such a problem with debt? Isn't that quite the paradox? When we are surrounded by blessings and abundance and wealth, we're still in debt. We have so much, and yet we still want more, and therefore we are still living beyond our means. We have things today that people in history wouldn't even be able to comprehend. And even people today in other poorer nations can't comprehend it. That's how blessed we are. And yet, the natural impulse is to never be satisfied. It's never enough. We have to keep on buying more and more and more. We covet all kinds of items, all kinds of even people in some cases like Exodus 20 warns about. Everything around us is a potential item to covet. Notice this quote from Mystery of the Ages. The late educator Herbert W. Armstrong wrote, You live in a world seemingly far advanced in science, technology, higher education, and diffusion of knowledge. People think it's a world of great progress. We send men to cavort about on the moon and return them safely back to Earth. Unmanned spacecraft land on Mars and send close-up photographs of the Martian surface back to Earth. Other unmanned spacecraft fly close to Jupiter and send back astonishing pictures of Jupiter and the rings of Saturn. Surgeons transplant human hearts and other organs. It's a magic, entrancing, push-button world where work is done largely by machines. It's the glamour dream world of the three L's, leisure, luxury, and license. But paradoxically, it's also a world of ignorance. Even the educated know not how to solve their problems and the world's evils. They know not the way of peace or the true values of life. Again, that's from Mystery of the Ages, another book that you can get for free at thetrumpet.com. Why this paradox? Why are we so blessed and yet so beset by problems? Why do we have so much? And yet it's still never enough. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with our minds and hearts that we are so inclined to covet? Why this raging materialism all around us in society? 
the Ten Commandments booklet states, our materialistic society is the ruin of our spiritual health. We must recognize that an insatiable desire for more and more material things is idolatry. No human being will find true and lasting happiness through things. When people put all of their effort into obtaining more possessions, little effort is devoted to seeking God and the ways of God. That's the truth. And that's how it is from the youngest age. There is an unseen evil spirit force out there who even plays on the minds of children to cause them to covet, to cause them to be ungrateful, to cause them to fight each other for a pointless little toy. And it has to be addressed at that young age. Covetous children become covetous adults. And covetous adults are a menace to society. Covetous adults will take. They will steal. They will do whatever it takes to gain for themselves by any means necessary. Morals be gone. That means that a lot of people out there would leave other people for dead if it meant they could benefit in some way. If it meant they could get what they want, whether it's power, influence, fame, money, possessions, a lot of people would do horrible things to other people because of covetousness. Because they want to get. Even if it means hurting others, they would do it. Not everybody, but a good amount of people would. Is that really the kind of world we want to live in? A world where we are basically enslaved to materialism and lust and covetousness? Notice Exodus 20 and verse 5. This is God commanding us against idolatry. And partway through verse 5, it says, I, the eternal your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, we don't want to be on the bad side of this jealous God. But the thing is, when we covet, when we exalt possessions or whatever else it may be, when, when our emotions get out of control and we lust out of control for various things, that means we're putting all those things, all those carnal desires ahead of God. And God is not okay with it. He's jealous. It is a direct competition and an insult to him. Those things we lust for and covet can take the place of God in our minds. And God hates that. 
And God curses for that. And he doesn't just curse the wrongdoers. It goes on for generations. Entire family lines will suffer for idolatry and covetousness. God says so, and so we better watch out. It is extremely important to heed this warning before we have to learn the hard way. Exodus 34 verse 14 backs up this point about God being a jealous God. Now in this case, in in the case of God, being jealous is not sinful because God is justified. Think about it. God created us. He has given us everything. We have the most wonderful life, full of memorable experiences, full of lessons learned. And beyond that, our future in the next life is infinity times greater. So when God gives us all this, when God is the very reason we exist in the first place, it is totally his right to expect us to put him first. To put aside anything that draws us away from him. That would cause us to covet. Exodus 34 verse 14 says, For the eternal whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Wow. Even God's name. Even his name can mean jealous. We better heed Notice Luke 12, verse 15, Jesus Christ warned here, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Why is it so hard for us to learn this lesson? Why do we always (laughs) tend to desire a life of ease and relaxation, a life essentially of emptiness, a life where we try to fill the void with possessions. We know from experience how we feel when we give in to unrestrained pleasure-seeking, When we lust, when we covet, when we spend loads of money to buy all the things we think will make us happy, we know what happens. We know that it only leads to more problems because there is no purpose. There is no hope behind just recklessly accumulating things. There's no vision in that. There's no real fulfillment and satisfaction in that. Having nice things is a blessing. God will provide those nice things for us when we put him first. And then there wouldn't even be a penalty or a side effect to it because we put God first. But when we replace God with covetousness and idolatry, that's when we feel the pain. 
That's when we get into thousands of dollars in credit card debt. That's when we feel the constant stress of financial problems. That's when our relationships with other people and with God become strained and tense. We know that way doesn't lead to true blessings. We know God will not back us up if we go the way of covetousness. And yet, so often we have to learn the hard way. That's the real shame of it. The Ten Commandments booklet says, although it can be a comfort to have property and wealth, lasting happiness comes from a completely different source. What we accomplish spiritually is all that really matters. At the return of Christ, a big house, a flashy car, money, clothes, or whatever we possess will not be used to measure a human being's fitness to enter the kingdom of God. I just want to be very clear. None of those things of, of themselves are necessarily automatically bad. For example, having a big house doesn't mean you have committed some kind of sin. It doesn't mean you worship your house instead of God. However, so much of the time, when we accumulate a lot of possessions, those things can become more important to us than God. The car, the house, the money, those things can push God out of our minds, of our hearts. And that's where it becomes the problem. Or if we don't have those things, coveting those things when we see the blessings of others, being jealous of others when they receive blessings, that is a real problem. In fact, <laughs> entire political movements in our country and in so many places around the world are built entirely on covetousness. Just consider that. This idea that the rich have to pay their fair share. We hear that all the time, but they never articulate exactly what the fair share is. What is the amount? What is the percentage? The reason they won't say is because they have no idea what they're talking about. All they care about doing is angering poorer and perhaps middle-class people as well. They want to motivate the non-rich to take, to steal from the rich by government force. They want people to vote so that the government will extract as much money as possible from wealthy people as if that's going to help their lives in any way as if taking from people who worked really hard to make a lot of money is going to make non-rich people happier how will their lives tangibly improve if we basically bankrupt the rich 
there simply is not enough money to go around to all 330 million people in this country. You can't just take all the money from a rich person and expect to snap your fingers and solve all national problems. There's not enough money to hand it out to people in a substantial amount, at least. You might be able to give everyone $10. Big deal. But somehow people vote that way, thinking that they'll be satisfied if they see the blessings of others taken away. Even if they don't receive those blessings themselves, they'll be happy out of spite to see wealthy people have their money taken away. Now, this isn't just to automatically defend wealthy people. A lot of wealthy people are engaged in idolatry. They put their money ahead of God. They perhaps made their money in unsavory ways in a lot of cases. But to solve that does not mean stealing from them. That's not going to make anyone else happy. It's a whole political movement, this socialist, communist mentality that's built on covetousness, stealing from other people, lusting for what they have, and taking it away from them. How absurd, how evil is that? Is that God's way of love? Doesn't God want us to be happy for those who are blessed? Perhaps even to say, wow, that, that man's really successful. He must be doing something right in some way. Perhaps I can emulate his example in the right way and experience similar results rather than trying to steal from him. Why don't we think about it more that way? Here is a quote from Mr. Armstrong. Again, he defined love as an unselfish, outgoing concern for the good and welfare of the one loved. You see, lust, covetousness just pits people against each other. There's no love involved when we covet. When my children covet the same toy, there's no love. They start grabbing onto it, playing tug of war with the toy. Maybe it breaks. Maybe they get physical with each other and someone gets hurt if it really escalates and gets extreme. There's no love involved. When we covet, no one is looking out for other people. No one is happy for the blessings of others when we covet. That way simply does not work. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is just a really important passage for us in this end time. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Perilous times, dangerous times. Now, what makes the world around us so dangerous? 
This passage continues in verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. And it just continues. The list continues from there. But the very first two things listed that explain why we live in such dangerous times today are that we are lovers of our own selves, therefore not loving each other, and we are covetous. Covetousness is pretty much the cause of every war in all of history. Coveting land, coveting wealth, coveting the resources of others, coveting domination and power over others. And it's led to the loss of millions of lives in history. That's pretty dangerous. And now we have the weapons to make war even more deadly so that when we covet, we could even wipe out all human life. Again, is that the life we want? Is that the world we want to live in? We can take steps every single day to abolish the idols in our lives, to turn to God, to become less materialistic, to perhaps budget money better so that we know where it's going and and are not caught up in materialism. We can learn to be happy for others instead of coveting what they have. That truly is the way to peace. It's the way to love. And it's the way we should always practice. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.